This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. All right, it's October 12, 2023. I'm Dave Rubin. This is The Rubin Report. We are live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, Locals, all the usual spots if you want to join us for the post-game show. And I want to welcome all our new subscribers. It's uh, rubinreport.locals.com. We're going to just dive right into it today. Obviously, you know, the world basically just kind of continues to, to spin out of control. And as I was talking about yesterday, and if you've seen uh, part one or the full version of my interview with Megyn Kelly, which is up on Locals already, uh, you know, this idea that the, the sense-making apparatus of our country has just absolutely failed, right? Our colleges and our universities have completely failed and took young minds and turned them into radical lunatics. Look, look at the protests happening at so many of the universities. Our mainstream media <clears throat> has lied to us about so many things for so long that everyone thinks that up is down and left is right and boys are girls and all of those things and the, and the bad guys are the good guys, all of it, right? So it, in some ways, it feels very obvious that we're here. Nobody, nobody thought or I guess I can't say nobody, but it would only be in someone's worst nightmares, a sane person's worst nightmares, that what has transpired over the last couple of days would be humanly possible in the world 2023, and that human beings would be capable of doing some of the things that we are seeing. Um, but here we are. And we better figure, it's not only that we have to figure out like the difference between right and wrong, we better be able to figure out a way to communicate that to each other, because this thing could continue to spin out of control very, very quickly. I, I do want to address one thing up top related to some of the pictures and images of the, the horror and the devastation. Um, you know, we've shown some here. I will continue, I don't know, we're going to just figure out a, a judicious way to do it that I feel like is, is right because we must be witness to the horror. Um, but I, I don't want to do horror for horror's sake. Um, but if we don't witness it, then we'll just kind of do it all over again. And, and that was the whole purpose of never again at the end of the Holocaust, right? So I think it's important. Uh, the Israeli government just released some of the pictures of the murdered and uh, burned babies. Um, if you want to see it, I, I put it on Twitter again, just because people need to understand that this is real and it is happening. And if you think it's going to stop with the Jews, uh, well, you probably have another thing coming. So anyway, I, what I want to get into today is a little bit of the, the media coverage on all of this, obviously. Some of the spats that are happening on Twitter, not because I think the Twitter fights are important, but because I think moral clarity is important. And even some people who I've given some credit to over the last couple of years that I've done videos on, even in the last year, uh, are failing big time right now. And I'm, and I'm happy to say that a lot of people that I did not um, think would fail, have not failed. And I just want to give credit uh, quickly, and then we'll get into it, to, to one guy, uh, Dan Bongino, who has become a buddy of mine. You know, it's funny, we're so in the same world together. Dan and I have only met twice, despite all the stuff we've done with Rumble and Locals and all that. We've only met in person twice. Uh, but Dan Bongino put out a statement yesterday because he has been so stalwart in his defense of Israel and fighting the savagery and all of this stuff. And, and a huge amount of his audience is pissed at him really angry at him and he basically just said kiss off like i do not care and i can't possibly i've met a lot of great people doing this and i've met a lot of grifters doing this i just want to publicly i did it on twitter but i think it's worth saying uh, what a great human being dan bongino is and it'll cost him money probably in sponsors and all all of those things and i know he just doesn't care and i would also connect that to something that i've been talking about a lot lately for the last month which is audience capture that any of the people that you watch including me, are susceptible to the idea that, oh my God, my audience thinks this. I better keep giving them what they want, right? I better keep giving them red meat so that they don't leave me. And I just simply will not do that. I, as I said the last couple of days, uh, I've been jumping into the comment sections everywhere and I'm so thrilled to see so many of you, uh, well, so many of you are new viewers, but so many of you are just appreciative of the way I'm trying to 
do this, and that is what I will continue to do. Uh, so the theme today, uh, obviously, will be everything that's sort of gone on and, and the ridiculousness, how BLM was connected to Hamas, and that's connected to the Hamas caucus of AOC and Ilhan Omar and the rest of them, uh, how we get Gen Z back because we seem to have lost them, and they're the ones leading a lot of the protests on the street. And then about 20 minutes from now, uh, you know, we had uh, Ambassador David Friedman on the show yesterday, we had him uh, come on in the middle of the show, and a lot of you liked it, and immediately when we ended, I thought, man, that's, that's a way to expand what we're doing here, especially in this crazy time, and get more sobering and clear voices out there, actually. Uh, so John Cardillo, who is a good buddy of mine, and he is a former New York City police officer, uh, he's a great analyst on uh, world events. Uh, he's gonna chime in, talk about what's going on in some of the Western countries related to security and, and, and a whole bunch more. So we'll get to John in about 20 minutes. All right, here we go. Before we do that, though, uh, let's talk about uh, Birch Gold Group. You guys know that Congress, once again, allowed itself to be pushed into appeasing the administration and raising the debt ceiling for the 79th time, paving the way for continued reckless spending and further devaluation of the dollar. As our national debt continues to skyrocket, how are you protecting your savings? Well, guys, times like these are a great reminder to diversify a portion of your savings into gold, and you can do that with the help of Birch Gold. Here's the easiest way. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold. You don't pay a penny out of pocket, of out of pocket, and as BRICS, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa band together against the dollar, more and more central banks are diversifying, and of course, yes, they are buying gold. Follow their lead, visit birchgold.com slash Dave for your free info kit on gold. There's no obligation, just information. They've got an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of happy customers. Birch Gold can help protect your savings too. Visit birchgold.com slash Dave. And now back to me. Okay, so, Again, I mentioned that I don't want to get into these little Twitter fights about things, but you know, I've played a bunch of videos over the last year uh, by Andrew Tate. Andrew Tate, former kickboxer, now he's sort of become like this like men's rights guy, sort of like, uh, I, I dare, I, actually I was gonna make a, like the most sort of weird connection to Jordan Peterson in terms of men standing up for themselves, but this guy deserves no credit and I sort of regret covering him at any level. Um, he, uh, he's a former kickboxer basically, uh, and, uh, but he has made quite a name for himself and built all sorts of businesses and all that stuff. Um, but he tweeted something out uh, just a few hours after the attacks began on Saturday. And I wanted to show you the difference between sort of a, conf a morally confused opinion, and then I'll juxtapose that with something else. And remember, this is just a few hours. This is before Israel did anything in Gaza or anything else. This is as, as it was all unfolding. Andrew Tate tweeted out this. Israel forced five vaccines into everyone's arm. Forced. Rather live in Palestine and own my blood, Allah Akbar. Um, listen, I have no defense over any country that mandated vaccines on anyone. I think I've been one of the most outspoken anti-vaccine mandates, uh, mandate person, people in the entire country, if not the world. Uh, Israel did force a lot of people to get vaccinated and they have to deal with that internally and what that means just as our government does and, and virtually every government of the United States. Uh, but to somehow take that thing, that all countries did crazy things around COVID and combine it with in the midst of beheadings and babies being burned alive and everything else, a criticism of Israel, again, before they had even done anything uh, to Gaza. It is absolutely insane. It would be as if 9-11 happened, if today the Freedom Tower blew up, which you know I have no doubt these people are planning. If the Freedom Tower blew up and then someone was like, I can't be for America because Joe Biden mandated vaccines. It is absolutely insane. Um, he lives in Romania right now, which by the way is a European Christian nation. He happens to be Muslim. I mean, I guess he could go to Gaza if he wants, but okay, fine. Uh, I wanna get into, so Ben Shapiro responded to him, but I wanna show you something else from Ben Shapiro quickly. Uh, the UN, he retweeted, uh, well, you can see the lower headline and then Ben's, Ben's response, and it's always particularly interesting. When I drop some F-bombs, I guess it's something, but when Ben does it, it sort of has a little extra something. Uh, just in the UN Special Rapporteur for Human Rights in Palestine, we are horrified by what, is by what is happening and we call for a truce, source Al Jazeera, and Ben said, and they can fuck right off. And of course, Ben's um, inclination there and the colorful language there is correct. You don't, no country, literally no country on earth, 
would allow what just happened and then do nothing or do a proportional response or anything else. There's also no country on earth that when Islamists murder their people and like the unspoke, you know, the, the, the horrific things that have just happened, any other country would have full carte blanche. Nobody would even care, right? People, it's basically no Jews, no news. If, you know, like that's kind of how it is. You could do whatever you want. Somehow when the Jews defend themselves, it's a big problem. Anyway, Ben said, so they can fuck right off. Andrew Tate then responded. So this is gonna get us to the, to the wider thing here. Mr. Tough Guy, let me assure you as someone who has done his own fighting, as opposed to excitedly encouraging others to do it for him while sitting at home on a comfy chair, peace is always worth a conversation. Uh, before I get into what Ben responded on that, I mean, it's just meaningless dribble. First off, not everyone is in the army. Uh, that is just how it is. We have people who speak for a living and we have people who drive buses for a living and we have people who join the military for a living and everything else. We, everyone is entitled to their opinions on, on things, uh, that's, just, that's just an obvious uh, position. But I don't see Andrew Tate going to Gaza and fighting. He seems to have no idea what actually is going on. Uh, why doesn't he call for it, right? His initial response was that Israel was evil because of the vaccine. Uh, ben responded, and uh, he wrote this, let me assure you as someone who has not pimped women and bragged about it, that morality requires those who rape women and kidnap children must be eradicated not negotiated with. And then something interesting happened because uh, Tristan Tate, uh, who is Tate's brother, he wrote this. A Jewish man speaking of eradication of a race of people. 2023 is a scary time to be alive. I wonder how many of the women and kids who are soon to be obliterated, kidnapped, uh, who are soon to be obliterated, kidnapped, or raped anybody. My guess is zero. This is nihilistic and evil. And then Ben, again, because it's just nonsense from these people. Ben said, I called for those who rape women and kidnap children to be eradicated, so you are not only immoral, you are apparently illiterate. You have to understand, there's a very duplicitous thing that many, many people are doing right now. And the duplicitous thing is somehow that anyone is, is celebrating or joyous about what Israel has to do in Gaza. Hamas was elected by the Palestinian people. There are no Jews or Israelis in Gaza. They left Gaza in 2005. They built a wall. They said, hey, forget it. We want nothing to do with you guys. And by the way, when they left, there also was no blockade. It was only after endless rockets and digging tunnels under the ground and all of those things happened that they even put in the blockade, which by the way, as we've discussed, Egypt has as well. Uh, this concept somehow that is that people are joyful over uh, having to respond is absolutely insane. It's absolutely insane. So one more from Shapiro on this. Uh, he was responding to, to Tristan Tate. Um, either you are stupid or you are morally illiterate. Hamas literally hides behind civilians. They are, they are currently texting civilians and telling them not to leave target areas. They put their military headquarters under a hospital. Um, so look, I, I said to Phoenix before we started, I, I'm not going to want to do these little back and forth things. But I, I think it's important to expose a bunch of people that have influence and say absolutely, what, what do you think Andrew Tate and, Chris, and Tristan Tate would do if someone raped all of their hookers or their mother or anything else? Like what would their response be? What would your response be? So all these people like just sitting on the couch, Trist, uh, Tate's very concerned, Andrew Tate's very concerned about people sitting on the couch having opinions. He's sitting on the couch having an opinion, telling people whose babies have just been burned alive. You can, you can go on my Twitter and look at it if you want to see it. Burned alive. Sit back and do nothing. Gaza chose, they made a choice, the Palestinians. Not only did they elect Hamas, Hamas then killed all the opposition. They were running an election against Fatah. They killed a whole bunch of them. You can find the videos back in, I, think, I believe it was 2005, right after the disengagement. They never held elections again. They are an avowed terrorist group, which, by the way, is saying that they're calling for a day of rage tomorrow for Muslims to kill people, Westerners, all over the world. That, I suppose that might include uh, Andrew Tate or one of his prostitutes. Who knows? Uh, I want to uh, show you a video. This is, uh, this is Ben Shapiro last night on uh, Piers Morgan. He was on Piers Morgan, right? Yeah, it's on Piers Morgan. Uh, and he talks about his spat with Tate and, and basically just blows this whole thing apart. How did you engage with him? What do you feel about that? Uh, well, what I feel about that is that he was tweeting that immediately, like as terrorists were still running around in southern Israel. That was on October 10th. And he was still tweeting while the bodies were fresh and warm in the streets. Peace is, you cannot make peace with people who murder your children and burn their bodies. You can't do that. I mean, th this, this rush to Israel, 
I, I, the murder happens and you immediately say, okay, well, guys, now truce. Now truce. Now ceasefire. That is not – no state worth its salt. No government on earth would allow the, this kind of insanity. No government on earth. And no government on earth would listen to nonsense about how you immediately have to seek peace with a group that seeks your direct extermination. Again, I, I can't emphasize enough. Israel turned over the Gaza Strip to Gazans in 2005. Mm. Hamas has governed the area since 2006. The year is currently 2023. Israel has, in, has in, endured round after round of rocket fire on its major cities for literally almost 20 years. And now the idea is the minute that Gazan, that, that Gazan terrorists rush through the border and murder people in their beds, that's the time for a peace conversation? That's I'm, the time for a peace conversation? Say- by the way, and, and I'm not going to be lectured on morality and toughness by by. Andrew Tate, whose great idea of toughness and morality is pimping women and then bragging about it on air. All right, I know there's nothing funny about any of this, but you know, I got dressed today before I watched that clip and Ben and I happen to be dressed exactly the same way today. I don't know if that's if that's God talking, hey, I'd like you guys defending me to wear a blue shirt and a light gray jacket or something. Uh, of course, everything he said there is true and that he should not be lectured about morality or anything else. Um, but, but who else? And now I can get it to something wider because again, I don't mean it to be about a, a spat about a former kickboxer. It's, it's just these people, and this is from AOC and a whole bunch of people, that immediately, it's like a whole bunch of Jews get murdered in the, in the worst, uh, worst pogrom since the Holocaust. And then immediately, oh, we should talk about peace, all of these people, and I'm seeing it, I'm seeing it all over Twitter, these, these people who can't figure out which way, which way the wind is blowing. Well, they're always going with the way the wind is blowing, but they can't ever say stop. I just pray for peace. Yes, everyone would like peace. The Israelis left Gaza for peace. They literally left and said, we just want nothing to do with you guys. We tried peace, by the way. They've been offered, the Palestinians have been offered a state five times, five times and said no, including at the very founding of Israel, the day before, literally the day before the war. Um, They can't make peace with people that want to kill you. If your neighbor every day was trying to get over the fence and throw things over the fence and trying to shoot you and rape your wife, would you keep trying to figure out why he was doing it? Or would you disconnect altogether? And, and then, of course, you can disconnect and they still try. And that's kind of what got us here. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. But who else is in the, in the most psychotic, cynical way uh, siding with Hamas? Uh, black Lives Matter. Yeah, surprise, surprise. The very group that never did anything for any black lives, that never sent a young black man to college, that made a whole bunch of people really rich, that had the entire corporate machine behind it. Well, Black Lives Matter uh, is fully standing with Hamas. This is a post that they put up uh, two days ago on the left. That is all that it is. And it is a paraglider. And of course, it was the paragliders who paraglided into that music concert that executed 250 young people. And they use that as their image. I stand with Palestine. And their statement is Black Lives Matter grassroots stand in solidarity with our Palestinian family who are currently resisting 57 years of settler colonialism and apartheid as black people continue the fight to end militarism and mass incarcerations in our own communities let us understand the resistance in Palestine is an attempt to tear down the gates of the world's biggest open air prison as a radical black organization grounded in abolitionist ideals we see clear parallels between black and Palestinian people so when ladies and gentlemen you see these things and you read these things and you look back on these last couple years as this radical group combined with Antifa ransacked our streets and destroyed property. Do you know what they will do next? And they are here right now. They are a domestic terror organization. Uh, They slightly, ever so slightly backtracked it in the most cynical way, which I'm not even going to bother showing you their slight retraction because they're borderline in in legal trouble with that. Um, But I want to show you something that's really fascinating because right now Israel is obviously attacking Gaza. They are quite literally sending texts and making announcements, telling people, you have to move south. You cannot stay here because the more south 
they move, the closer to Egypt that they will be, and the, the further away from Israeli population centers where they just you know, murdered and slaughtered and raped and everything else. They are telling people, you must leave these homes. And then Hamas, as Ben made a point of saying, uh, Hamas is telling people, no, stay there, because they want the images to be of dead Palestinians, because Hamas doesn't give a fuck about dead Palestinians. They believe it's all part of the PR. They're happy to see dead Palestinians. Uh, but the other piece that's happening right now is Israel has shut off the water in Gaza. You know, if you rape our women and burn our children alive, maybe we're not going to give you water. You're going to have to get water from somewhere else. Uh, so that's what they did. That is a decision they made. And as I said, they have every right to do whatever the hell they want to do right now. Uh, and a lot of people were very angry about that. How could they do that? How could they take their water away? Well, then, because these people are throwing it in all of our faces at every moment, Hamas released a video showing that they've been making rockets from the water pipes that Israel gives them so that they can irrigate their crops and so that they can drink fresh water. Unbelievable, watch this. that song. I don't know who that is. Um, yeah, this is the open air prison that supposedly everyone's starving and it's a genocide even though their population goes up every year. Everyone's oddly well fed, somehow have created an army. All of those things, diving gear, the scuba gear, all that stuff. But literally, it, it, try to imagine the, 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 the insanity of what is going on. Israel left and then the world gave them money, right? The world said, we will rebuild Gaza. And then they took the infrastructure, they took the cement and the pipes made for water and everything else, and they turned them into weapons of destruction. And now the same people who gave the money and everything else are telling Israel, ah, just let it go. Sure, your babies are burned. Let's just let it go. But the broader point here is that some people have been right about a lot of this stuff and warning about it for a long time. And you probably don't get the accolades or anything else, but I want to show you this really fascinating video having having just told you what BLM, they, BLM has staked out their position. Think about the amount of money that was given to BLM from our corporations and from our, our pathetic, limp-wristed, liberal, progressive buffoons who kneeled in front of black people and washed their shoes in the summer of love as they burned down their businesses. The millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. There is every reason to believe that some of that money was funded to Hamas at this point. They are showing you, hey, we are one, we are one. I wanna show you this fascinating video. This is from three years ago when Don Lemon was still employed by CNN. That's how long ago it was. And actor Terry Crews, who also, I would say, happens to be black, went on to debate about the radicalism of Black Lives Matter. Take a look. You said you're willing to die on this hill. You've taken a lot of heat for this. Explain what you are thinking uh, and why it's so important that you die on this hill. Well, again, you know, I want to bring up the fact that, you know, there are some very, very, you know, militant type forces in Black Lives Matter. And what I was issuing was a warning. You know, it's one of those things where I've been a part of different groups, I've been a part of different things, and you see how extremes can really get, can go far and can go wild. And then when you issue a warning, and when a warning is seen as detrimental to the movement, how can you ever, ever have checks and balances? Um, you know, in, in the 60s and 70s, airplanes went down all the time. And the reason they found out why they did was because the pilots could never be questioned. And when you have the leaders of the Black Lives Movement who are now talking about, you know, if we don't get our demands, we're going to burn it down. Uh, other Black people who are talking about working with other whites and other uh, other races, they're, they're being viewed as sellouts or called Uncle Toms. It starts to, starts to, you start to understand that you are now, you know, being controlled. You're not being treated as loved. You're actually being controlled. Someone wants to control the narrative. 
And I viewed it as a very, very dangerous self-righteousness that was developing that, you know, that, that really viewed themselves as better. It was a, almost a supremacist move. So let, let I mean, isn't that something? There were people calling out this nonsense, right? It wasn't, it wasn't just like the political crew of people that could see what was going on here, right? And us hysterical YouTubers like, guys, hey, something ain't right here. The people saying that they're for tolerance and peace are the ones blowing apart buildings and, you know, destroying small businesses and everything else. Did you see, by the way, the, the Chiron? That's the uh, little piece that they put under with the guest's name. It said, Terry Crews defends his statement of uniting with good people, black or white, as if that's a controversial statement. Terry Crews, hey, black and white people, let's all unite together. Let's fight the forces of evil and blah, 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 blah. But he's kind of the, 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 the scary person in the picture. But now look at how dangerous that radicalism, the BLM radicalism, the identity politics radicalism, and, and the deep connection it has, we now know, I mean, BLM is saying it, to Hamas and what is now a genocidal organization uh, that apparently wants to export that all over the United States. Uh, look what's going on right here in the United States. This is a pro-Hamas rally, pro-Hamas. This is not for the people of Gaza if you want them to live free. This is a pro-Hamas rally in Rashida Tlaib's district in Dearborn, Michigan. And th this is chilling, this is chilling. This is Nazi 1938 level stuff. So don't let them get it twisted. This is not complicated. When you go to a Black Lives Matter rally, you see Palestinian flags. When you go to a white supremacy rally, you see Israeli flags. This is not complicated. When Zionists march down the street, they say death to Arabs. When we march down the street, we say free, free Palestine. Free, free Palestine. This is not difficult, everybody. What do you think those people would do to their neighbors? Not, not, I'm guessing not many Jews in Dearborn, Michigan. But what do you think those people would do? When you, when you hear that there is a, a call or a day of rage tomorrow, like, who are they talking to when they say do it all over the world? I don't know. Also, everything he said there was complete nonsense. Uh, white supremacist rallies that have Israeli flags. First of all, I don't know of any white supremacist rallies that have happened in the United States like within the last 30 years or so. There's probably a couple white supremacists somewhere. Not great people. There you go. We did it. Okay, easy enough. They carry Israeli flags. Oh, and that the Zionists are chanting death to the Arabs. No one's chanting death to the Arabs, and no one ever does. Having been to Israel many times, all these people ever talk about is peace. The country is constantly at war with itself over how to get peace. Right? Like, do we leave, give them land for peace? Do we not? Should we, uh, you know, have uh, commerce with them or not? Like, what do we, they, they just did it again. They shot more rockets into us. Should we have more peace? Like, everything they have done is in the name of peace. Everything they have done. Uh, as many people point out, if the, uh, if the Palestinians laid down their arms, there would be peace tomorrow. If the Israelis laid down their arms, there would be a mass genocide. That is just so obvious, and everyone knows it. Imagine if the power situation was reversed right here. What would be going on? You all know it. Everyone knows it. Um, and also, this, you know, so the, the Zionists shout, shout, kill the Arabs or whatever, and we shout, free, free Palestine. Yeah, that, that is uh, a call for genocide, right? River to the sea. Uh, yeah, that means uh, no Jews living there. So there you go. Um, I don't know what you have to do with these people. We, we are going to be in a massive fight over free speech in this country because at what point you, you can have whatever odious views you want and you can get as close to that line. There's no such thing as hate speech, right? I have defended hate speech many times. Don't forget the ACLU defended the rights of neo-Nazis to march in Skokie, Illinois. In 1972, Skokie, Illinois had, I think, the largest contingent of Holocaust survivors in the United States. We always want to defend all of our ideals. But at what point when a group of people in our own country are defending a terrorist organization that is literally calling for people to kill people in our country, at what point do we have to have a different conversation? And again, I would link this to what I started with the show, what I started the show with. We have so obliterated our sense making Hamas basically has a television channel on MSNBC. We have so few people who can analyze anything honestly that it leaves us confused and it leaves us basically unable to see evil and know what to do about it. Speaking of seeing evil, uh, here's a video of AOC 
this is when she was running for Congress in 2017, and listen to her moral confusion and ahistorical nonsense. I mean, I think that usually goes without saying when you're talking about AOC. There, in terms of geopolitics of and the course. war in the Middle East, is very different than mm. people expressing their First Amendment right to protest. Well, yes, but I also think that what people are starting to see, at least in, in the occupation uh, of, of Palestine, is um, just an, an increasing crisis of humanitarian condition. And that to me is just where I tend to mm -hmm. come from on this issue. You use the term the occupation of Palestine. Mm. What did oh. you mean by that? Oh, um, I think it, what I meant is like the, the settlements that are increasing in, in some of these areas and, and places where, um, where Palestinians are experiencing uh, difficulty in access to uh, their housing and homes. Do you think you can expand on that? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd also just, I, I am not the expert on geopolitics on this issue, you know? You all should need to know that America is not sending their best and brightest, you know, to Washington, D.C. <laughs> uh <-huh. Yes. laughs> like, sometimes, sometimes you literally just can't believe, like, you know, these people are making the decisions that are, you know, determining the, the government here. It's, it's, it's actually scary. Ah, we did that for you. It's been heavy lately, so we threw in John Fetterman making a joke and speaking in a coherent sentence, which is far more coherent than anything AOC said right there. She clearly, she is a goddamn fucking idiot. She has no idea what she's talking about. It is profoundly obvious. The fact that this woman is in Congress, she doesn't know what she's talking about. An occupation, she has no idea what the land is like or settlements or anything else. Like, the woman is a complete and utter buffoon, and that was, by the way, that was, what, seven years ago? So she's more powerful now than she was then. She should have been laughed out of, uh, you get the point. All right, I wanna bring on John Cardillo. He is a, a very good friend of mine, uh, former New York City police officer, clear-minded thinker. He gets it on the geopolitical issues and on American security and, and a whole bunch more, and he is a proud Floridian, wisely, John, you made the move from New York to Florida. What, what was it, 20, 15, 20 years ago? When did you come to the free state of Florida? Yeah, yeah, this coming February of uh, 24 will be my 20th year. February 23rd of 24, I'll be here 20 years, and I never looked back. Do, do you now, in retrospect, think, boy, I saw some of the markers, and, and we can connect this to the wider conversation that obviously everyone's having now. Uh, you saw some of the markers of what was gonna happen to New York City and that how that's related to everything that I've just spent you know, the first half hour talking about? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, there was this general malaise over the city after 9-11, and I just wanted a bit of a change. And I thought I'd spend out six months or a year in Florida. I found an apartment in uh, the Brickell area of Miami. It's very vertical, right? So when you come out of Manhattan, it's comfortable, similar vibe. And just the ability to do business, the ability to start a business was so much easier. I mean, even as former law enforcement, the hoops and hurdles I had to go through to buy new guns in New York or carry a firearm, mm -hmm to Florida, it was just a sense of freedom. You didn't get pulled over if you you know, you got in your car, you drove a block without your seatbelt. There weren't 47 law enforcement agencies pulling you over about the seatbelt or your cell phone. You just felt it was a, an easier place to live. Government laid off. They left you alone. They did what they were supposed to do and, and not much more than that. So I know we could we could talk about the uh, the joys and freedoms of Florida all day long, but that's that's not really what the thing is this week, truly. Um, can you talk just for, uh, as a former NYPD officer uh, in the glory days, I can say, of the NYPD, because it, it ain't that way anymore. A lot of people are really worried right now about what could happen in America, especially in our big cities, and, and noting the, the degradation of our cities, of the police forces, et cetera, et cetera. Can you talk a little bit about what police departments maybe either should be doing or hopefully are doing, et cetera? Yeah, so the NYPD actually has a very robust counterterrorism uh, operation and intelligence operation, so much so that the uh, they elevated them up to bureaus in the NYPD, which is really, in terms of their silos, those would be the most significant. They would then sit alongside patrol and detectives. So they're a top priority. Those issues, intelligence and, and uh, counterterror, are top priorities. 
the other big agencies, LA, Chicago, Vegas, right? It's a terror threat because of commerce and entertainment. They're going to be doing the same. So the NYPD really led the charge on this with regards to the teams, things like the Hercules teams, the Atlas teams. When you're out in New York, if you travel there, I try to do it as little as possible these days. But these are, these <laughs> yeah. are the guys in the helmets, the heavy vests, the long guns. Mm -hmm. There was also uh, a former senior CIA guy who came in after 9-11 and really revamped the way the NYPD looked at terror, looked at intelligence. And so they coordinate with all of the federal agencies. And people may not know this, but the NYPD has detectives, intelligence and counterterror detectives deployed around the world, hmm. partnering with other agencies in these nations, very much like our federal law enforcement have their attaches and embassies. And so in terms of intel, for a local law enforcement agency, the NYPD is way ahead of the curve, and they share that information uh, pretty seamlessly. It flows very easily between the NYPD and the other big departments in the country. They then trickle it down to their states, it's, uh, to their cities, et cetera, in those states. That's the way it's set up to work, Dave. The problem yep. are liberal politicians in these cities who are doing insane, asinine things like cutting the counter-terror bureau of the NYPD by 70%. It's just mind-bogglingly stupid. And I had spoken to a couple of very good mutual friends of ours who know a lot more about the internal political situations uh, in Israel than I do. And they said, unfortunately, that sentiment had also crept into the Israeli left with regards mm. to the IDF, gun control, et cetera. I didn't realize until last week that Israel now has strict gun control. So uh, I hope what we're going to see as a result of these atrocities, if there, if one good thing could come out of this horror, hopefully it, it smacks people in the head and gets their heads on straight to start being proactive about the fact that there are evil demons in this world. Uh, typically, Islamic terrorists, Muslim terrorists uh, are, are at the forefront of that and start being proactive against these people. Because my, my fear, Dave, is this. I don't think we'll see another 9-11. We, we've got robust security measures in place to avoid that. But there is virtually no way whatsoever to interdict a low-tech asymmetrical attack like seven bad guys, seven terrorists mm -hmm. standing outside of elementary school with automatic rifles or walking into shopping malls with automatic rifles. It doesn't take chatter to set that attack up. That but John, I thought, I thought that if you put a sign up that says guns are not allowed here, this is a gun-free zone, wouldn't that stop those people, the sign, because it says it? Yeah, of course, you know, because, they, you know, gun laws apparently work where the murder statutes don't, right? I mean, it's, it's such a moronic mindset. It's, it's as stupid as AOC was in that clip. I also wanted somebody I've spoken to this about quite a bit offline, and I'm so glad you brought up Dan Bongino. He's been a good buddy of mine for years. He also worked in the NYPD during the glory days, and he has been such a class act throughout yeah. the primary and with all these issues. And I just want to further what you said about Dan and, and hammer home to your viewers uh, just just how good he's been on these issues and how much integrity he's had through all this. Look, there are, there are people that are really shining right now, and there's a whole bunch of them. We can't give them all credit all the time. There's a whole bunch of people shining, and then there's a bunch of people who are having some stuff shined on them. But actually, I want to I wanna show a clip of uh, Governor DeSantis yesterday because it'll get us to our next part of this related to the border and what you just mentioned, that this isn't like we're going to be invaded by an army, but what the hell is going on on our border? Take a look. I would also ask the president to consider reversing his policies on the southern border. We are vulnerable when you have all these military-age mm. men coming in. Do you think that our enemies have not been looking at that weakness? We know people from Iran have come. We know people from Russia have come. Uh, we know China and other parts of the Middle East. That is not good for the security of this yeah. country. Israel probably has the strongest border security in the world, and yet this happened to them. Well, I can tell you, when I'm president, we've already said, we are going to unleash the states. They're going to be equal partners with enforcing immigration law. If someone comes across the river illegally into Texas, Texas should be able to send them back. Why do we need to end up in this big process where people are going to court and all this other stuff? It's absurd. I mean, that's basically why no one wonders why we're proud to be Floridians. But, but what do you think about that part at the end there that he said that the states need to be empowered? Because I think a lot of people... It doesn't matter what state you are in right now. If you're in America, you've seen the videos for the last month and a half of thousands of people pouring across the border. We have no idea who any of these people are, their allegiances, et cetera. W what do you think the states can do? Because, you know, I'm, we've discussed this many times, publicly and privately. I'm not very bullish on the national project of America right now for a million reasons. I'm bullish on some of the states. But can the states do enough uh, once the border is open the way it is? 
Yeah, I think the states can. Look, I, when I watch clips like that of, of uh, Ron, Governor DeSantis, uh, a guy we both know and, and support, I can't believe every conservative in America, every Republican is not 100% behind this guy. I mean, he, first of all, what he talks about there isn't only doable, it's absolutely constitutional, and it's mm -hmm. immediately, Dave, it's immediately deployable. It's not some pie-in-the-sky solution that will take years to implement and sounds good and can't get done. It can literally be done in the next five minutes while you and I are talking. States like Florida, uh, Texas, and Arizona have uh, very large contingents of law enforcement, state and local, uh, county-level agencies. It's Arizona, where I spend a lot of time I, in, in another side of my life, and, and the real business that pays me, or mm -hmm. Scottsdale, and uh, I speak to Arizona law enforcement all the time. They are so frustrated because they have the resources, they have the know-how, they know those rural areas, they grew up there, these deputies, these local cops, they know this, the, the, the patterns of the uh, illegals coming across. They could tonight, tonight, make a significant dent if they were empowered by the federal government. All you've gotta do, if you wanna say, okay, immigration is a federal function, no problem. President of the United States with an EO could federally deputize mm -hmm. every deputy, every police officer in those states who can then act as federal law enforcement and turn the illegals back. It is doable in the next five minutes. So the governor is 100 percent correct. Can you talk a little bit about the, the morale of the police departments and the agencies? I know you have a lot of connections there as well, because, you know, having heard what you just said, we just know that it's not what Biden is going to do. Right. There could be an attack tomorrow which they're telling us there's gonna be an attack tomorrow. And usually they do it when it's a surprise, not when they announce it. But uh, that I would imagine the morale for people that are like-minded that are in the agencies cannot be good dealing with such an incompetent group of buffoons. Yeah, you know, it really depends where they are, right? So when you talk to deputies in departments run by constitutionally elected conservative sheriffs here in Florida, they wouldn't trade their jobs for the world. If, if, they're, if they're true, love is law enforcement. They love working in these agencies because their bosses empower them. They give them cover when they do their job right. But more importantly, the citizens want to see them. They buy them coffee when they go into a diner. It's very different in the big cities mm -hmm. like Chicago, where they're being spit on by Muslims and hijabs, and, and the city administration isn't even allowing them to make the disorderly conduct arrest. So it really is, morale in, in, in police agencies around the country, law enforcement agencies, really is dependent upon the political leadership overseeing that agency. I, I suspect uh, you don't see a way, at least for a little while, that, that some of these blue cities will turn this stuff around? I mean, I hope they would. You know, take NYPD, you know, the, the, the recently, um, departed police commissioner, she resigned Sewell. Everybody said, oh, she's super woke and he hired a black woman. Well, she came out of the Nassau County Police Department, which is a large agency right next door to New York City. For That's those my county. That's my hometown county. county. Yeah. My, whole family, my whole family lives out there, except for my dad who's still in Queens. But um, when I had called a former uh, a command staff member of that agency, who's very conservative, I asked his opinion. He said, actually, she's absolutely outstanding. He said, she's a cop's cop, she's apolitical. The cops really liked her inside the NYPD, but she couldn't do anything because the administration under Eric Adams and our insane city council in New York is so far radically left, they tied her hands. So she basically spent her time making sure cops weren't getting in trouble for doing their jobs properly and had enough and resigned. Well, there are now rumors that she wants to run for mayor. I hope she does because she's probably electable as a black woman in New York City. And I think someone like that is needed to turn things around. I mean, Chicago, went from bad to worse. They got rid of Lightfoot, brought this lunatic in, and they went out of, you know, out of the frying pan into the fryer. It's never been worse in Chicago. So change in leadership is the only thing that's going to do it. Uh, let's just reverse back to, to some of the, uh, the actual, what we've been talking about all week uh, going on across the world. Uh, because you tweeted out something that I thought was really great. Uh, I wish we would have pulled it up. Maybe, we can, maybe they can grab it for me. Uh, that one of the first things that you did when you were a cop um, can you just describe the story so I don't butcher it and maybe we'll grab the exact language related to the rape and murder? And, yeah, yeah. yeah. So basically, uh, I was telling people to F off who were saying, oh, you know, we need proportional responses. I, I, one of the first when you're a rookie police officer, you get the junk. I said you get the shit details. Right. And you do. You're the new guy and everything's about seniority. One of the first things I had to do was sit on a rooftop of, a, of a, just a terrible building in the Bronx with the body of a raped and murdered nine-year-old, waiting for the medical examiner to come and the crime scene to be processed and special victim detectives to do what they do, which is very exhaustive. In a special case, when it's a child, it's considered a special case. So the investigation is, is even that much more robust, that much mm -hmm. more airtight. And as the rookie, you sit up there 
And it is just, I mean, mentally grueling. And, and you're thinking about every baby you ever saw and every kid in your family. These IDF soldiers, these, these families, they're not seeing this for four hours. This is now their life, their reality. And if it doesn't infuriate you, and if, and if your response is, well, you know, it's not all Palestinians bullshit. There is, there is no daylight between Hamas and the Palestinians. And Dave, nobody's ever wanted the Palestinians pre-1948, pre-Israel, when there were yep. tons of unoccupied Arab land around. Nobody wanted them then. Ask Egypt how it worked out for them. This has always been a terrorist culture. So to those of us that have studied this and, and looked at this with a pragmatic eye, guys like me, like you, like Ben Shapiro, our friend Josh Hammer over at Newsweek, uh, you know, we, we know that this is, is going to happen again. We were not surprised by the viciousness by the horrific nature of what these people are doing. It, uh, so, so for me, when I saw those images of children being burned and, and hearing these stories of children being raped, and I'm not doing this to be sensational, yeah, but yeah, yeah. we have to expose the horrors. People need to know how bad it is. It just brought that day back for me. And that was an example I had to use to say, hey, if you haven't seen this, you don't know how bad it is. Let me ask you one other thing, which is the exact same final question I asked former U.S. Ambassador to Israel, David Friedman, yesterday. What do you think a win for Israel looks like right now? Complete annihilation of every last Hamas terrorist and profiling and monitoring of every Palestinian for decades until this insanely demonic behavior is forced out of them. I don't see any other way forward. Demonic behavior, you know, for all the adjectives I've been using, I don't think I've said demonic. I'm gonna, I'm throwing that one into the lexicon. Uh, John Cardillo, I will see you in the free state of Florida. I'm sure in the next, uh, what, what, you wanna buy some guns next week? Maybe we'll buy some guns next week. Done. Absolutely, guns and dinner, Dave, you're on. <laughs> A perfect day in Florida, thank you, my friend. Uh, all right, guys, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna continue with just, uh, just a bit more, and I think we're just gonna keep doing this. You know, I said yesterday, this sort of mid-interview, mid, mid -interview, we're gonna do it when we can to just add a little context, bring some, some pros in and uh, get some fresh eyes on some of this stuff. I, I wanna show you a tweet that I put up yesterday that really uh, sort of went, went bananas viral on Twitter. And I think, I guess it hit the right tone. Maybe it's something you can share or at least share the message of. Uh, I wrote, to clear up any confusion for the morally bankrupt, who would Hitler be rooting for right now? Thanks for playing. It's like, guys, we all know it. We all know it. Right, like from, from the gates of hell that Hitler is in right now, right? Like he's watching this, rooting for, for Hamas, right? He's rooting for those dead babies and, and all of the rest of it. So, so let's go full circle on today's show. You know I try extreme, in good times, I try extremely hard when I'm talking about the nonsense of whatever our political chaoses and everything else. In the good times, I always try to end on a sort of positive note or give you something to think about at the end that will bring it all together or not leave you feeling crazy about everything. And now we're not in the good times and I still want to be able to do that. Actually, it's probably more important now than ever. So from full circle, uh, from the, the idiocy of AOC, the depressingness of what has happened to Gen Z, Gen Z with these kids at these college campuses putting out statements in support of, of Hamas, uh, from that horrific rally that Nazi-like rally in Dearborn, Michigan, and BLM, and the stupidity of Andrew Tate, all of the stuff, maybe there's a way out of it. And who has explained a way out of it and gotten more young people to deprogram themselves than my good friend Jordan Peterson? Well, I think that if you set up an education system that's designed to do nothing but demoralize young people and to convince them that their ambition is dangerous and, well, even world-threatening for that matter, a manifestation of patriarchal oppression on the social front and then a danger to the survival of the planet on the natural front, then, and you don't do anything to foster that ambition and to channel it into a manner that might be productive and to tell young people why their ambition might be useful, then you're going to get exactly that. So and you hit what you aim at if you try hard enough, and the education system has been trying to demoralize people for 60 years. Then you think now you have young people who are demoralized and directionless. Well, they're never taught anything about how to acquire a direction. You know, we did a study. I used this program I developed called Future Authoring. We did a study where we had three studies, actually, where we had university students sit down essentially for 90 minutes. Right. 90 minutes, this was it, and write out a goal, a series of goals for their life, right? Who could they be in five years? 
across seven important dimensions of their life and where might they be that would be terrible if they didn't get their act together. We dropped their dropout rate 50% and raised their grade point average 30 by 35%, three separate studies. So that's all you have to do if you want to motivate young people is to teach them a bit of visionary discipline and encourage it. Maybe that's what we got to double down on right now. Maybe there are people who are smart enough and bright enough and brave enough to help lead us out of this desert and to the promised land. You think that that's possible, right? Otherwise, we will all wander for a long time. 40 years is a long time. Maybe we don't have to do it for 40 years right now. But when you listen to someone tell the truth and talk about how the systems have failed all of the young people, right? It's why every time I show you one of these purple-haired kids screaming or something, it's like, it's like I'm not, they're, they're the victim of this thing, right? These kids that are out there, these, these gender-queer kids that don't know what is what, they're, that are now supporting Hamas, like, they're the tools, they're the rubes, they're the, they're the pawns in this game. And we've needed more and more people to stand up and tell people what is right. And that is the ultimate irony related to our mainstream media. Because the New York Times put Jordan Peterson and me and a bunch, Ben Shapiro and Milton Friedman and a bunch of others on the front page once, not too long ago, saying we were the head of the alt-right. The New York Times did another piece on Jordan Peterson, front page, about he was going for enforced monogamy as if he wanted to enslave the women, uh, enslave women the way Islamists do. So the entire machine has been designed to destroy all the good people and push up all the bad ideas. Thus, we are here. Uh, we will end with something funny, right? We are ending. Oh, the cold. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a great cold close for you. You might have seen the movie. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, if you want to join us for the postgame show right now, rubenreport.locals.com. And part one of my interview with Megyn Kelly is up on uh, Rumble and on YouTube. The full thing's on Locals already. And obviously, we get into all of this. And, you know, Megan is just on the short list of people that I can turn to for some sanity besides Jordan. Uh, so she gives great analysis on this and has really been wonderful this week. Uh, tomorrow, we've got a roundtable with uh, Michael Knowles from The Daily Wire and Andrew Clavin from The Daily Wire, and we're going to get into all of, all of this stuff. And uh, now a cold close. I promise you're going to smile, and we'll see everybody at the postgame. To be used for peaceful purposes. It will be used only for medical research and clean energy. It will, it will. And will certainly never be used to attack is, oh boy. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.